0: Hi there, my name's Omar Kanawi, and I'm a lifelong red living in Los Angeles. You're listening to The Liverpool Play. Well, you can well and truly say that Liverpool are believers, are mentality giants, they're monsters. No matter what you call them, this team really never knows when they're beaten, as was shown in yet another comeback victory, the third one this week alone. And Liverpool beating Aston Villa by two goals to one in the most dramatic fashion. We're going to get into that game and uh, look at the turning points and the moments that shaped just a fantastic week for the Reds. That could have been an awful week, but uh, on three occasions, you know, we pulled out of the fire. Uh, We're going to look ahead to the gank game and the little-known game with a small team called Man City on the horizon. So let's dive in. Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 2. This was uh, a scrappy game overall, really. And as most games nowadays, VAR played a part and, um, you know, it's very uh, typical of uh, of the way that it's been going in that it doesn't really overturn kind of referees' decisions, initial decisions. So, um, you know, the villains took the lead from a free kick. I did think that Trezeguet was marginally offside, but I do think he was offside. He turns the ball in, obviously, you know, we could have probably done better with marshalling him and uh, maybe Allison could have done better with the save, but... That was the uh, opening goal for them. And then right down the other end, um, Mane with a delicious cross in for Firmino, whose apparently armpit was offside, uh, which was the first time I've ever heard that one. VAR confirming and using, funnily, his armpit for the, uh, the furthest point of his body uh, in relation to the ground. Um, looking at it on the replays, it did look to me, again, an onside, decision but again we didn't see any change from what the referee initially you know decided and uh, it was given as offside um it really does need to be something that is standardized and it's hard to see where there is the line and 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 if things are clear and obvious errors then you know in this case the letter of the law was upheld because it wasn't clear and obvious in either case But what you're seeing is inconsistencies around the Premier League, around the various games that are happening, and sometimes there are clear and obvious errors that aren't being changed because, you know, they don't want to go against the referee's uh, decision. So if we're not going to change referee's decisions, then there isn't a ton of point in VAR. Um, But, you know, I do think it's, it's something that is here to stay. So we really do need to be having the discussions on how to fix it, how to figure it out. Um, but, you know, in the second half, you know, Liverpool didn't really do enough in the first half to, to warrant being, uh, ahead at least, you know, maybe it could have been level, but, um, in the second half, I really thought the players turned it up. We didn't really have enough clear cut chances at any point in the game to be, uh, outright worthy winners, but I do think, you know, we created enough pressure and penned them in for long periods of time. And, and, you know, Aston Villa were definitely backs against the wall, defending with everything they had and just be, performing heroics getting their bodies on in the way. And as soon as we threw on Oxlade-Chamberlain and Keta, I thought we stepped it up a gear and, you know, we were able to get in more of those shots. Oxley chamberlain himself having three shots at goal uh, in the space of a few seconds shortly after coming on. And, you know, they were really just throwing themselves in the way of everything. But you can never write off this team. And I would have been been thrilled with a draw, honestly, to come from behind and grab a draw. Would have been a great result. Um, At the time, City were losing, playing at the same time, obviously, which added a bit of spice. Um, But, you know, for them to come from behind and then equalize and then go on to win, you know, when you look back and the dust has settled after this game, what happened in the next seven minutes uh were, was so vital for the Reds first Mane you know looks and sees who's coming into the box spots a fantastic run from Robertson darting in uh from the edge of the box and gets it cuts it onto his left foot and a delicious cross right onto his head he couldn't miss bullet header from Robertson is one all and uh right back in the game and this Liverpool team never know when they're beaten they never know when to stop and I just love them for it and um You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I thought was our best player on the night, uh, has a free kick, gets deflected out for a corner. Again, you're thinking, you know, maybe this won't be the day that we pick up all three points. And still, from that corner, in the 94th minute, a fantastic cross from Trent, just on a plate for Mane, right onto his head. But Mane had a lot of work to do from the angle that he did. But he just glanced in a delicious header, into the far corner as if it's something that they've done on the training ground. And I'm sure they have. I'm sure that's something they've worked on in the training ground. But what a fantastic way to do it. You don't see many headed goals scored like that. And what a time to get it. Uh, Three points. This team is just unbelievable. And uh, kept our six-point cushion ahead of City uh, before our crunch, crunch game with them at Anfield next weekend and what a what a game that's going to be and uh, we'll definitely look ahead to that in a little bit but let's go through the ratings for this game and uh, I'm going to start my way at the back and work our way forward. So I thought Alison Becker yeah, had a decent game I think he probably could have done better with the goal that they scored and other than that he was commanding he came out of his goal definitely stopped a few attacks um, just with his presence of mind and seeing the danger early and getting out and clearing it. I think also his, um, you know, just making himself so huge and being so intimidating and imposing uh, was part of the reason that when they had the breakaway in the second half with Hurrahan and uh, Trezeguet, that Aston Villa couldn't really finish it off. And that was a turning point because they could have gone 2-0 up at that point, And I think it would have been a very different story. But, you know, he definitely makes himself big. And I think he just has that presence and that aura that makes people, it makes it difficult to score past him. So um, I have to say Alisson Becker had a decent game and I thought he got a 7 out of 10. Uh, Right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold, only 21 years of age, just turned and he's already made his 100th appearance for Liverpool, which is an incredible stat. And he's already one of the best players on the team. I thought he was our man of the match in this game. Such a menace going forward. I don't think there's many right backs in world football who are better going ahead and, and just bombing on he has i remember when we used to have glenn johnson and people thought that glenn johnson would be good as a winger but he didn't have the defensive solidity i think trent Alexander is a leaner meaner better skilled you know more technical faster stronger version of glenn johnson um you know but who can also defend you know quite well i don't think he's the finished article in terms of defending yet but in terms of going forward i've never seen better Probably the only player I can compare him to is Cafu, at his best, um, you know, kind of bombing up and down the wing, and he is just as good already at the age of 21, and what a player he is, and just so good with the assists, getting another one today with the last-minute, you know, assist for Mane, and he was just a menace. He was taking on incredible shots, left foot, right foot, narrowly misses with a really great shot from outside the box. Um he's just becoming a real menace. And I think he's going to start adding a lot of goals pretty soon, actually, to his, uh, to his assisting capabilities. Um, he's starting to kind of separate himself, not just from the Premier League, but I think in world football. And I'm just so glad to have this guy. So, you know, really thrilled that Trent Alexander-Arnold is a scouser. And hopefully he'll just stay with the club forever. I hope he gets to be the captain. I just love this guy so much. Um, good head on his shoulders. He's already won the Champions League. And, you know, he said it himself, we're relentless and we never will give up until we get that title. So, you know, really thrilled for Alexander-Arnold. Really, really good team. Uh, really good day a game. He had a really, really good game. And I would give Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, 8 out of 10. I thought Dejan Lovren had a solid game uh, alongside Van Dyke. Um, he found it quite tough dealing with Wesley at the beginning. You know, he had some real good strength. Wesley's one of the more powerful strikers that we've come up against so far this season. But, uh, you know, I think he was really good after the break, won some big headers, made some big interceptions. And I think when he kept it simple, which is what, you know, he's been doing more often recently, I think he's just a better player. So um definitely happy that Dejan Lovren is playing well. Um, I'm not sure how long Matip is out, but he does seem to be ahead of Joe Gomez in the pecking order and nothing... So far yet to suggest that that shouldn't be the case. So I would give Dejan Lovren a 7 out of 10. Alongside him, Virgil van Dijk. Not the best game that he's ever had. Uh, I think, you know, he probably could have done better with marshalling the line for their goal. Um, did get caught in possession a couple of times. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uncharacteristically a little bit sloppy. But obviously has still his amazing moments. Good pass for uh, for Salah. Um, and made a, crack, a crucial tackle later on in the game, um, you know, also got booked. So it's a bit of a mixed bag for Van Dyke. but you can't deny his class and just making everyone else play better around him. And, you know, you would never drop this man for a second. So um, really good game uh, overall by, not by his standards, but by most human standards. So I would give Virgil van Dyke a seven out of 10. Andy Robertson also was really, really influential on the night and I think obviously gets the equalizing goal. But not just that, he was always available, making the overlapping runs. He was just really dangerous getting the crosses in and, and just really just pushing us always higher up the field and penning uh, Aston Villa back into their half. And I just think he was one of the reasons that we got the result, obviously, um, is to his tenacity. And, you know, no shortage of technique to get a good bullet header on target from uh, at crunch time of the game, you know, late in the game. There's a lot of pressure on, and he just buries it. So uh, definitely one of the mentality monsters we're talking about. And uh, I would give Andy Robertson a seven out of ten. I thought Adam Lallana had a had a mixed bag. Um, wasn't his best game. Obviously, he had to do a lot of defensive work coming in for Fabinho. I did think when I saw him on the team sheet that he was going to be more of a number ten, and maybe that we would play, uh, you know, Wynalda and Henderson in more of the kind of Fabinho role, maybe as a dual six. But it didn't really work out that way. Uh, Lionel was doing a lot of the defensive duty. And yeah, he de- definitely worked tirelessly and ran around and, and, you know, had the nice touches and nice passes. But, you know, you do notice when Fabinho is not missing, he's been number one, hands down, best midfielder this season. And so keeping him, I do think it was a good move by Klopp to not risk him getting another yellow card, you know, because that would have kept him out of the city game. So Definitely happy that um, Fabinho could have a rest on this one. He's been playing a lot of football and we were able to see the game out without him. Um, I thought Lalana got better at halftime and, uh, you know, made some good forward uh, runs. But, you know, then he was subbed at the end and so he did miss a big chance in the last quarter. So not, you know, not his best game. I would give Adam Lalana a 6 out of 10. I thought Jordan Henderson had also a mixed game. He started off pretty poorly but then got better as it wore on. After half time was definitely making some better decisions, but still kind of let us down in a couple of situations where we could have been, you know, having a numerical advantage going forward, picking the wrong pass, playing it backwards a couple of times. You know, I think he was solid uh, without being anything spectacular, um, but it was just a game where we needed to dig in. And honestly, from the way that the game went with Aston Villa defending resolutely, it wasn't him that was going to be the one that would uh, unlock the door for us. So, uh, I think Jordan Henson did what he could. He did what he had to do, and he scored a 6 out of 10 for me. I thought Genie Wijnaldum was honestly the worst of uh, not fantastic midfield on the day. Um, he wasn't really involved up until halftime, did a little bit more uh, in the second, but still not great. And, uh, you know, definitely was was rightly subbed, and, and, you know, we were able to bring in Cater uh, and Oxlade Chamberlain, who were able to change things around for us and, and get us that victory. So,. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Genie Wijnaldum had his best game, but he's so vital to this team. Um, just today wasn't his day, so I'd give Genie Wijnaldum a six out of ten. Musial probably the weakest link on the night. Honestly, he uh, had a couple of shots involved. Did you know? Tried some nice moves. Uh, always is going to have a couple of pot shots, but you know, just wasn't really working out for him. Um, maybe made a couple of wrong decision making choices. Should have passed it a couple of times. Maybe could have taken on his man a couple of times and maybe he's still hampered by the ankle injury at Leicester. It's definitely still seeming to bother him a little bit. So maybe we weren't given the full details of how severe it was, the extent of it. But, you know, I'm just super glad that Mo is still around the goals, you know, in the last games um, and he's still available and he's still, you know, trying and working hard. And uh, I know Mo is going to come really good for us. So not his finest day, but I would give Mo a six out of 10. I thought Bobby Firmino had a decent game, uh, slightly better than Salah, but definitely not up there with Mane. Um, not really involved enough in the first half, as you could say about a lot of the team. Um, and he was dropping deeper and deeper. He did have the goal allowed for very very tight VAR decision, which I think would have obviously raised his score. Um, but that for me wasn't on him. You know, it's just one of those things. His armpit apparently was offside. I don't think it was. Should have been allowed. But, you know, he did have a little bit more joy switching out to the left-hand side in the second half and then started to cause a bit more havoc. So, um, yeah, Bobby had his good touches, he had his good moments, some great passing, as always. Um, But I thought he only scored a 7 out of 10 for this one. Sadio Mane was, for me, alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold, the pick of the bunch. Um, Really, really lively, direct Uh, creative as well. I saw him, you know, crossing in and and really putting in fantastic crosses, which I didn't think was a side of his game that I've seen much before. So, you know, um, really involved in everything good that Liverpool did going forward. He sent a good chance wide with a header in the first half. Um, He apparently dived in the first half. I don't think it was. I do think there was contact. Yes, he goes down a little bit softly, but if you're a striker in the Premier League and you get tackled and you don't go down, then guess what? You don't get a penalty, as we've found before with Salah and other situations that have happened where we've been too honest and then haven't gotten the rewards. So yes, he's gone down and won us a couple of penalties recently. I think this was a similarly, you know, he gets he gets nicked in the box, he gets trod on, and if that it could be a penalty. So I, I think he was with every right to go down. I don't think he is a diver. Um, and then obviously uh, in the second half, he really came to the fore and didn't let the boos and the and the jeers kind of get to him. Has another header saved, but you know then shows his real quality, crossing it for Robertson, getting the assist, and then that final header that just wins the game at the very end is so incredible, and just such a deft touch as well. So he's really up there as one of the best players in the Premier League right now. I think he's overtaken Salah this season for sure in terms of just being our most outright goal scorer and the man that you rely on to get the big goals and the big games. Um, so, for me, he's fantastic, and I hope Mane stays for a very long time. I would give him an 8 out of 10. And so, to go through the subs, I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain had a really good game when he came on, immediately getting a couple of shots blocked away, and you can just see his confidence now starting to course through his veins, and he is really dangerous when he's in that kind of mood. So, um, added that forward thrust, added that just running for midfield, and and made those good choices. So, um really glad to see him come on and uh, and just I, I think it's his running with the ball that makes the space, drags the defenders away from Robertson who can then head the ball in. So uh, didn't have a ton of time on the field but I think he, he did well and I would give Oxford chamberlain a 7 out of 10. Tivokarigi also similarly came on at the same time as Alex Oxide chamberlain Didn't have as much threat as the Ox but I thought he was really good Nice turns and runs and shots. He's looking very confident as well. And I think that he, in this kind of mood, is the kind of player that does strike fear into defences. So really happy to see Divock Arigi getting the game time and, and trying and uh, almost succeeding. This time didn't quite work out for him. But, you know, he was definitely part of the reason that we won this game. And I would give Divock Arigi a 6 out of 10. Navicato, it was good to see him come on after we were worried about his injury against uh, Arsenal in the EFL Cup. But, um, you know, he didn't really have much time, so I'm not going to give him a rating. Rewinding a little bit to the previous game, Liverpool 5, Arsenal 5, what an incredible game it was. One of the best games I've ever seen in the EFL Cup. And it must, I must say, it was very nice to not have to worry about VAR decisions. If the goal went in, you knew that you could celebrate. And I was at work at the time and I was trying to keep my voice down. But, you know, it was one of those games as such that you had to just let the emotion out and you knew that. You weren't celebrating too prematurely. If you celebrated, you were able to celebrate. And I love that. So I do miss uh not having the AR uh in competitions. And so I'm not gonna talk a ton about this game. Obviously it's been covered, but uh, you know, really, really a joy to see some of the goals that were scored, Oxford Chamberlain's in particular. I did also really love Varigis too. I thought both of them were very classy goals. Um and just seeing the squad coming into play and just really proving that throughout the team there is this never say die attitude it's not just the, the first 11 you know Klopp has instilled this into all the boys that are there and that you know everyone from Seth Vandenberg and Harvey Elliott 16 years old all the way up to the top they are just for them to a man very determined and just never give up and uh, it was really wonderful to see uh, obviously now we're going to have another chance to see how really promising youngsters in action again Curtis Jones should still play the next game um, and I do think Aston Villa is going to be a stern test but I would still expect to see most of the same team that played in this one play against them I don't think it's going to until we get to semi-finals are we going to really consider changing it up too much and bringing in more of the first 11 but uh, it wouldn't be nice to see Adrian get a game again uh, maybe in the next round I don't know if that's going to ha- happen Kelleher obviously having a fantastic night you know saving the penalty which allows Curtis Jones to write his own bit of history and send us through so you know those two youngsters did really really well and I would love to see all of them get another chance in the next round so a nice problem to have for Klopp uh one other problem is obviously going to be when we're going to play this thing and um there's been a lot of discussion about different scenarios maybe there's a world where Liverpool split the team into two essentially one going to the Club World Cup in Qatar to play there, and the other one staying in England, managed by, you know, probably Pep Linders, and then, you know, taking on Aston Villa. I don't think that's right at all. I don't think, uh, and, uh, and Top, you know, has said as much, you know, it is a disadvantage to split our squad uh, for any given cup competition, and why, so why should we do that? Um, it's also a disadvantage to have to, you know, not be able to manage the game yourself, and so he obviously is a control freak in a great way and I want him to be at the sidelines for every single game that we take on whether it's a friendly or whether it's the Champions League final so you know the Club World Cup if you had to pick one would be the preferred one I do think it's a more uh, it's just you don't have the opportunity to win that one very often so when you do have the opportunity you've got to try and take it so it would be fantastic to officially have Liverpool crowned as the best team in the world especially given that it's not going to be as difficult the games as we have in the Champions League you know probably going to play against a team from South America or a team from Asia and you would think that with Liverpool's you know playing style and the way that we're doing right now that that should be a competition we can win and then I would love us to turn our attention to the F.L. Cup and see if we can't make it a clean sweep you know there were a couple times during that game on Wednesday where it was I thought we were done for and and Liverpool just never gave up, and uh, it's, a, it's a really great problem to have. Yeah, I don't see why there needs to be a two-legged semi-final, for example. I don't see why we couldn't, you know, have the game take place in January, for example, and then the, uh, the semi-final could just be a, a single leg, and then we're through to the finals, hopefully. So it, lots of things to be decided. I'm not sure at the time of making this that a decision has been made. It wasn't when I started uh, this podcast, so uh, I'll be interested to to hear what they end up going with, what the consensus is. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Should it be a, a game that we move around? Should it be the Premier League aren't going to move any of their fixtures? But you know, what would you do given the circumstances? Would you try and you know play the game while we're in Qatar? You know that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But you know, how would we solve the situation? So that's the EFL Cup, and then. Obviously, looking ahead to the Champions League, the competition's come thick and fast at this point. We have a home game against Genk. And, you know, given that we were able to win the last game 4 1 away, and that Liverpool have really had a tough time and still been able to win these games and come back from deficits and go on to win, I don't think, I'm really hoping that this game is not going to be one of those and that we can actually have a relaxing evening of a 3 or 4 0 victory. And look ahead to City and and make some changes for this game. With that said, I don't think that the team that started against Aston Villa is going to start this game. I think most of them will be rested. uh, At least I would hope so. But we still need to put out a team that can win. Um, But definitely keeping one eye on City. I'm sure Klopp will not say that. I'm sure he'll just say that each game at a time. But when you're leading the Premier League by six points and your team that you're going to come up against are your main rivals... And you can really put down a marker at home. You are keeping one eye on that game. So if he does say that Klopp, I will not believe him. I don't think there'll be wholesale changes, but I do think there'll be changes. So I would say in goal, I will probably think Allison will start. I don't think, see that there's much reason to change that. Um, at right back, I do think it will probably be Gomez. I would, I'd be surprised to see Trent play in this game, um, at least not from the start. And then I think you're going to have uh, Van Dyke and probably... Probably Lovren again in center of defense, or there is a world where Gomez plays in center of defense and we do have, you know, Milner or or maybe even Trent at right back. But I would say it's probably going to be Trent, uh, Van Dyke, and and Lovren. And then I think at left back it will probably be Milner. I, I don't see both of our fullbacks playing in this game, at least from the start. Um, Because we'll have enough in midfield with the changes that we'll make in midfield to have that bit of creativity, so we don't have to rely too much on the fullbacks to bomb forward. I think it will probably be a game for Fabinho, you know, get him back up to speed before the game at the weekend. I do think Henderson will probably play in this one. Um, And then it's maybe a case of Wijnaldum or... I could see Oxo-Chamberlain starting this game, maybe Cater. Maybe we'll see a similar uh, kind of situation where we have more of an attacking midfield setup, uh, And then up front, I would not be surprised to see Rigi start, uh, maybe in place of Salah if he's nursing an injury. And then I would love to give Mane a rest. So maybe there's a world where, I don't know if Shaqiri's back, but uh, maybe it's uh, Curtis Jones even, or, you know, Harvey Elliott is too young for this one. I don't think he's going to play in this game, but... It'll be interesting to see who we go with and then obviously Firmino up front as well. So I think that would be a solid team that can do a job. Lallana can come in. You know, we've still got a lot of players, Cater that can come in. Um, And I think it's going to be, if we can win this game against Genk, then we're pretty much home and hosed with the Champions League qualification. Assuming that Napoli uh, beat Salzburg at home, that would make their points tally be 10 and we would have 9. And I believe Salzburg and Genk would have like four and one. So that would make us the clear favourites. There's two games to go. So things could still potentially change, but it would be, you know, almost done thereabouts. Uh, And what a wonderful way to do that just before the Man City game that we can focus all our resources into the Premier League for the month ahead. So, um, you know, that will be a fantastic thing if we can do that. But obviously, this weekend's game against Man City already has the hallmarks of a title decider. You know, everyone was saying back in January when we played them at the Etihad that it wasn't going to be a title decider. It was too early in the season to say that. But that, that is what stopped Liverpool from winning the title. That was the one loss we had that season. That is, you know, two our biggest rivals. They were uh, seven, We were seven points ahead at the time. They then go and break it down to four instead of us going ahead by 10 points. So that was just a turning point, a real pivotal moment. And, you know, with 10 minutes to go, we were level in the game. So it's a real shame, you know, when Sane's shot went in the post, you tell that was a big, big moment. So um, Mane's not going in. It it was one of those games that just didn't go Liverpool's way. I think on another day, we easily could have won that game and things could have been very different right now. But, you know, as it stands, uh, we are six points ahead if we can try and win this game and at least not lose it, I think that puts out a big statement. And, uh, you know, if we can just get one over on them, then it's going to be nine points ahead. And that is going to be huge um, at this point of the season when you can't see Liverpool losing that many games. You especially don't see them losing three. Um, and just the way that Liverpool are playing right now, they just do not give up. And I, I love the the mentality of this team. We've been saying for so long that Liverpool have us you know they can play really well on their day, but they just can't see games off. They can't put teams to bed. They can't. They don't have the mentality to just win it and run down the clock. and And that's what we're doing right now, and I just love it so much. Um, you know, is it the enthralling, thrilling football that we've come accustomed to under Klopp? No. Is it going to give us all heart attacks? Yes. But might it bring back the Premier League title to Anfield? This is our best chance. So I'm, I'm just really excited about it. And to be leading from the front, you know, it just shows that we are such a great team. And, uh, you yeah, know, the runs that we had in, in 2014 and, and 2009, you know, they were good teams, but they were built on the back of late runs that, you know, we weren't really expected to be in the mix. And this time we, we know we're good. Last season we showed how good we were, 97 points and still not winning it. And I think that is driving these players on to not have that same feeling again. How many times already this season have we come back from behind to draw or win? It's incredible. I think there was the one draw at United, and I can count on you know, maybe four or five other victories that we've had where we've come from behind to take all the points. So really an incredible hallmark of a team. That's usually the number of times you might come back from behind in a season. And so we've already done it that many times. You wouldn't put it beyond Liverpool. We keep saying... They, uh, they've they done it again. they found another way to grind it out. They've found another way to grind out. And the the thing that really plays ominously for a City and really plays well for Liverpool is that we haven't hit in our stride yet. I think Liverpool will have a, a purple patch that they'll start to, uh, you know, annihilate teams again and not have these little niggling uh, problems defensively and conceding one. And, you know, we were conceding one earlier when we were heading in games. Now we're starting to concede them first and being behind for increasing periods of time. So definitely some issues to be ironed out. I don't think defensively we as solid. You know, it's probably not helped having all the injuries to Matip and, and, uh, and, and not being able to field our first choice defence. But, um, you know, there's also been some key turning points that have probably gone our way, you could say. And I don't think that's luck. I think Liverpool have been making their own luck just by grinding out these results. And we can't say that if Sun... Hadn't hit the bar when he did with Tottenham 1-0 up. Maybe they'd gone 2-0 up. Would we have lost the game? Maybe we'd have won it 3-2. Who knows? It's hard to say. Uh, Villa didn't score the second goal yesterday. They could have gone 2-0 up. Would we have lost the game? Would we have then gone on to win 3-2 or drawn that game? It's hard to say. But we are being decisive in the moments that matter to us. Those two things did go our way. They, they didn't score we were able to take the advantage and go with it. And so you make your own luck in this game. And uh, I I just think that Liverpool just never say die. And it's so exciting to witness. So, So please join me again after the game against Genk. Well, hopefully we can look back on a job well done against the Belgian champions. And then look ahead to our clash with the English champions, Manchester City coming to Anfield on Sunday, the 10th of November. You know it's going to be incredible. Enjoy the game, guys. Have a fantastic one and up the Reds.